Thank you, everybody, this morning. Yes, I just wanted to extend my great thanks to you as well and just commend you as a people. As we've mentioned before, we'll note again, you are faithful people financially, and I'm just so blessed to see how God has, has trained so many of us to recognize that when we honor him in our finances, he, he blesses us in incredible ways because he's after something in us. So one of the first things we find uh, when we come into, into Christ is that he challenges us in this area of our finances because he wants to come after that orphan spirit in us that says that we are our provision. He wants to show us, no, I'm, I'm your provider, I'm your provision. When you honor me and recognize that it comes from me, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless you abundantly. And it won't make sense to you before you do it. It'll make sense to you after you do it. And so I've just been so incredibly uh, blessed as, a, as your pastor just to see how faithful so many of you have been, and not just in tithing, but also in giving. And I did want to take a quick moment to, one, commend you for, for last week uh, as we had Pastor Sergey and his son Daniel with us. Uh, we sent them on in a manner worthy of the Lord, and I'm just so pleased to see that. That's a, a tradition that we have had here at our Father's house, a pattern that that Pastor Lanny trained us in, and is, I was just blessed to see the same thing happening last week as, as we sent them on their way, um, in, in just a wonderful, wonderful blessing. And I uh, had so many thanks come back from them. And, and by the way, this is pretty cool. I've, I'd forgotten this, and I was reminded by Pastor Sergey, but because of the time difference with them being in Ukraine and when they host their services, they host two services uh, on, on Sundays, one in Sokal Church, which is a good distance away from where their main campus is in Lviv, and then they have one in the evening in Lviv. Because of our time difference, they are having church services right now at the same time we are. So we're getting to celebrate uh, the Lord. We're getting to take, take communion. We're getting to preach the word and worship the Lord at the same time on opposite sides of the planet. So I'm just really excited about what that means for us. So just wanted to share that with you. But also, uh, as we do each year, uh, we take a time in this season to take up an offering for our church staff. Uh, that's not for me. That's for our staff, those that work in the office and, and support us in a, in a very practical way. I mean, You've got to believe it takes a lot <laughs> to keep a ministry running. And we have wonderful lay leaders that lead ministries, but we have folks that work in our office to answer the phones, to answer the emails, to direct the calls, to take, take, uh, keep track of our finances and you know, all the papers and the communications and everything that goes out. We have a wonderful staff that keeps a, just a beautiful just spirit of unity and cooperativeness and service to one another. I'm just so proud of them and how they, they work so diligently on your behalf. And so I'd like to take a time right now just to say, if you would like to give to our staff, please do. And you can do that two ways. If you'd like an envelope, we can have the ushers come and bring you an envelope right now. And we can take a moment to do that. But also, you can go online to our website, to our giving page, and... Uh, they're under special offering, just say, uh, you know, staff offering. Uh, and this is a great way for us to bless them practically in this season. So once again, I ask you, please be generous. Uh, we love them. They're so good. They're so good to us. They're so good to you. And uh, we're so thankful for them. So uh, from me to the, the staff, thank you very much. We really love you guys and really appreciate everything that you do. Uh, this has been a crazy year, and they have been, they have been working very diligently uh, above and beyond what I could Truly expect from it, any one of them. So thank you. All right. Well, let's get into the Word today. Did you bring your Bibles? Did you bring your Bibles? Did you bring your notebooks? All right, good. Me too, because uh, 
my notes um, on my phone have been kind of come and go recently today, so um, got my paper notes, so hopefully I wrote everything down in a good contiguous form. But uh, we've got a great message here today. We're going to take a bit of a departure from our series that we've been on in prayer. And just in recognition of this season, I think there's some stuff that the Lord is wanting to bring forward to us in this Christmas season. It really helps us connect with the story of Christ, the story of his birth, and what this means for us here today. Okay, whenever we come to the Word, we should be looking for, Lord, what is it that you're saying to me today? Because his Word is living and active, and it's active in our lives. And even though many of these things took place 2,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago, you know, all the way back in there, we can say... Father, what is it that you're wanting to teach me about my life today? And he's going to speak to us about who we are and how he wants wants to adjust us and release us into into more. So I'll I'll give a a quick background on kind of the, uh, I guess, the genesis of this message here today. But... um, I uh, recently came across, uh, through my wife, because she's really good at finding great music, great song, great worship uh, that really speaks to me. She pointed uh, me out that uh, Maverick City Music did a, uh, a really wonderful version of Mary Did You Know. Anybody seen that yet? Yeah, it's really good. We're going to see it at the end of the message today. But there's, there's an aspect of this song, and I won't fully reveal it here until we get towards the end, but there's an aspect of the song and how they did the song and how they went through the song that really, really touched our hearts as we listened to it because it spoke to us in this moment. It spoke to, I think, where we are as a church right now. It just spoke to uh, some elements that I hadn't really fully considered before in the context of what was being shared there, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like, come on in here. Come on in here and let's, let's just do some ruminating around in here. And uh, I got some stuff to show you to share with everybody. So I did start pulling some threads. And as, as he does, we go into the Word, start pulling threads. He starts revealing things to us that are on a deeper level than we had experienced before. So around here, we love to get into the Word and really see what does it say. And follow some of those rabbit trails and threads to see what is it that God has hidden these things in Scripture so he and pull it together and really draw it tight with something that we can walk away with. So we're going to go into the Gospel of Luke in the first chapter. We're going to start with uh, the story of Mary um, learning from the angel Gabriel that she was going to uh, become pregnant with God's son. And uh, it's just an exciting, exciting story. And I want us to read through parts of this, kind of get it into our, our memory, because it's the, the context for what we're sharing here today. And um, I said, I, I, I want to say it's kind of interesting. I have noticed recently that there's been a lot of controversy over this song, Mary, Did You Know? People have lots of thoughts about it. I'm not engaging in all of that today. Uh, you, you don't have to like the song. There's some really good stuff in here that I like, and I would invite you into a perspective that I've carried for a long time. Um, just lightly, some folks have uh, think that it's it's critical of Mary and her ability to understand or comprehend what it was that was inside her. I've never seen it that way. Um, personally, I've been enriched by hearing the song, and also as a parent, when I became a parent, became, when I became a father, to 
to hold my sons and have that opportunity to look in the, into their eyes and hold their hands and rub their feet and all that and think, God, where is it that you're bringing them? What have you locked away inside this treasure that I'm holding right now? And so um, when we get to the song there, again, you don't have to like the song. I like the song. You don't have to like the song, but I'd invite you into the perspective of understanding that oftentimes God's giving us something to carry that is more than we know. And we can even have an understanding of what it is. We can even have a profound understanding of what it is. But he's given us the opportunity to carry something that is more than we can comprehend at that time. Has anybody else been there? I've been there. Okay, so we're, we're coming at it from that perspective. So let's, let's read here in the Gospel of Luke. All right, starting in uh, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from, from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one of the, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Angels like to tell people, do not be afraid. Go through like the whole Bible, and they show up, and one of the first things they say is, do not be afraid. Probably because that's a scary moment sometimes. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? Now, if you read earlier in in this chapter, you see almost, it's actually a very parallel story. The story of Zechariah and the same angel coming and telling him that his wife, who's been barren for all these years, is going to bear a son as well. And he asks a similar question, and he gets, becomes mute after that until his son is born. There's a difference here. Zechariah's question had doubt in it. Mary's didn't have doubt in it. It had inquisition. She was inquiring, how is this going to be? Now, she doesn't understand how this is going to work out. But her heart is open, and she is quite literally a fertile place for the working of God in her life. And so she says, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Oh, that's so great. That place, I mean, she's in that place of yieldedness. She inquired, how's this supposed to work? And he tells her, and she says, all right. Well, then let it be unto me, according to your word. And it happens. So we follow on into the next part here. In those days, Mary arose and went, to, went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And I love this right here. So much can be said about this in the present season that we're in, judicially and everything. 
But just listen to these words. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now it says earlier here, the, the prophecy from the angel about his son John was that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit from the time he was in his mother's womb. But I love that it says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The one she was carrying in her womb leapt in response to Jesus. This is that infilling part. And he inside her was filled and she was filled and she's in this overflow situation. And it was when she heard the greeting of Mary. This connection between those that are carrying these two men who God has supernaturally brought into the world. They're having this experience that's in the context of the experience that these two are having here at the beginning of this story. The first outset. These are two identities already living inside these wombs. And they're already carrying the promise that will be fulfilled in their lifetime. And it's amazing that without without even saying a word, John already begins to do what his father prophesies he is going to do when his father is finally able to speak again. He tells him that he's going to be the one who who heralds, because this is what the angel has said, right? He begins to do that. So what is Elizabeth's response? Okay, here we go. Pick it up here. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's speaking prophetically right now. She has understanding. Here is the Lord. Her son made the sign in her womb. And already prophetically what comes out is an identification of who he is. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believes, believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So we see this, that Mary's response to the word that she heard was to believe. And she is blessed in that believing. And John is already heralding. So there's activity that's happening in the word who's made flesh and the one who's meant to herald his coming before they've, either of them has even taken a breath of air yet. Listen, those babies in the womb are alive. They are alive. They have identity. They have destiny all over them. And there's activity already taking place in this time. So good. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. 
He has helped his servant Israel. In remembrance of his mercy, he has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This exchange, this prophetic interchange and exchange between these two women is profound. There's much that they understood and much that the Lord was revealing in that moment. Remember, there's, there's a whole history in this people right now that they are looking for the coming Messiah. There's expectations and expectancy of what he's going to be and what he's going to do and how he's going to rule and how he's going to liberate and free his people, all of which were lower than what God actually had planned. They all pointed in the right direction, but none of them were the fulfillment of the promise until Jesus was walking in it and walking it out and revealed to them that the plans that God had were much higher than anything they had comprehended before. Everything was true. Everything was factually true. But the truth of who he was and who he is is far above our ability to comprehend him. Let's move on into chapter 2 now. This is the birth of Jesus. So we'll skip through uh, John's birth here. Go back and read it sometime because it's powerful. In fact, you should read this whole, um, this whole section of Scripture together and look for the patterns back and forth between what is said about John and what's said about Jesus because the, the way that, uh, that Luke wrote this was to demonstrate that there was a parallelism in how they're coming forward and how they're both being prepared in the time. They're not the same, but he's showing really the efficacy of both of them in their ministries. John's... John's birth was likewise miraculous. Not the same, but likewise miraculous. This is a powerful time in Israel's history, and it's something that we should understand very well. All right, so starting in in chapter 2, verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn or the guest room or however else that gets translated. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. Thank you, Pastor Dan, preaching my sermon already. (laughs) We have a tendency to go back and forth a little bit here. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, again, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into the heavens, the, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. 
But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. We can see that as Mary has gone through her life, this becomes a story that she's shared. And we know that she actually has this very special connection with, with John, who becomes, he's not the author of this, uh, this gospel, but a very special connection with John, where John is, is really told by the Lord that, hey, take care of my mom as, as your mom, and mom, take care of this guy as your son. And there's a, a special connection there, and she continues to live on through the time that Christ, Christ dies and is resurrected. She's there with them, uh, we, we expect, in the upper room when the Holy Spirit comes. I mean, she is, she's been here since the beginning of this whole story, and she shared these truths with those that have been uh, part of Jesus' flock. And we have the benefit of hearing it today. That's why we hear here that, uh, that she treasured these things in her heart, and she pondered them. And the Lord gives us things to treasure in our heart and to ponder as we're going before him and we're asking, Lord, what is, it that you're, what is it that you're showing? What does this mean? How am I going to see this? How do I watch to see what's coming from what you've shared to me? I'm, I'm hearing your word and I'm treasuring your words. How does this apply to my life? And we ponder these things in our heart and we mull them over. Now, we're going to look at this, this picture here of Mary in this story and say, how does this apply to us? Today does not only apply to women who've had childbirth. It doesn't only apply to women. This applies to all of us as believers because there's something that Mary did and was brought into that was, I believe, really prototypical for who we are as believers and what we're called to as those who follow Christ. God will often do something in the natural and then it yields something that comes as a spiritual blessing. And we see in Mary, she's the only person in the history of the world, and she's blessed because she was chosen to be the one who would actually carry Christ. In her womb, he would grow inside her. Now, some have run to a place to worship her for that, and that's, that's not what we're doing here today. It is important for us to recognize that she is blessed among women because of what God did, chose to do with her, and she yielded herself in a way that was profound. We know that she was scorned for what she did. We know that what took place there wasn't right within what society and the culture expected uh, in that time. And those are God's standards. But God superseded that situation with something that was a bit other to bring forth his son. Now, he brought forth his son to make him Incarnate, that he would live in the flesh, dwell among us. He had to be born of someone, and he did it in a miraculous way. And so he imparted into her something of his spirit that also became part with her to grow into a man after she had given birth to him who would become fully mature and represent his father perfectly. 
would go to the cross, would be the sacrifice for our sins, would die on our behalf, but then be resurrected again on the third day with victory over death. And he would be the one bringing resurrection life and eternal life to all of us. So where is the peace in it for us? Is it possible that God wants to do a work in us that he starts afresh deep within us that is intended to bring forth new life that would then become life for others as it comes forth from us? Let's go to John chapter 4, verse 7. Now here's a story about another woman, a Samaritan woman, who's an outcast even in her society. She's been married multiple times. She's now with a man she's not married with. But Jesus made a specific visit through to Samaria to Sakar to meet with her because he had a word that he wanted to release in her. And he wanted to meet this broken woman in this place. The Savior of the world chose her for a very specific reason. And we'll start here in verse 7. Listen to what Jesus reveals to her in this. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it? That you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus loved to jump across cultural lines, expected lines, barriers that were there. Nothing was too big for him, and he demonstrated that and how he walked through life. He went to those who were the outcasts. He, he touched the lepers, and they were cleansed. It was the woman with the issue of blood who wasn't even supposed to be in the crowd who desperately reached out and grabbed the hem of his robe and she was healed. He's not afraid of these things. So he, here he is with a Samaritan woman. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Living water. He's talking about a, a reality that's above the earthly reality that he's asking her for. He's asking her for a drink of water. But he's saying, hey, if you knew who it was that was asking you, you would have asked me for water. And I'd give you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, and this is still true, this is true today, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus gives us a well of living water that springs up inside us 
to eternal life. Now, I think this is Jesus talking about when you come and you believe in me, I'm going to pop the cork on this thing and the spring is going to become activated inside you. And it's going to well up to eternal life. And that spring is an endless spring. It's not a limited thing. It's an endless spring. And it's something we can keep going back to and keep being refreshed by. But the context here isn't fully that it's just for our own benefit. So don't let your thinking about this just be limited to your own benefit. I've got a spring inside me that's got eternal life for me, and I'm good, I'm in, this is great. Because Jesus demonstrates that his intention is always to go and to proclaim and for the thing to keep reverberating. And as he was sent into the world, so he has sent us into the world. So he is one who has living water. I will give them living water. And the one who believes in me, I'm going to give them a spring of living water inside them that's going to spring up to eternal life as well. He's a giver. We also are then to give. Now, we're going to go into John chapter 7, into verses 37 and 39. But before we go there, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. We need some context for this. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Let's also go to chapter 35 of Isaiah. Now these are, we hear in Isaiah and what's being said here, these are things that are promises to Israel. They're also promises about Jesus. There's stuff that's coming in here that, that is true for that time when he came forth, but it's also true for us today. We are inheritors of these promises. And remember, as he was sent, he has sent us as well. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. 
with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the name, the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Let's go to chapter 44. Of Isaiah. This is speaking to Israel, the Lord's chosen. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb, and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob. Another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and name himself by the name of Israel. We see in these passages this outpouring of water on dry and thirsty land. We see transformation taking place everywhere the water is flowing. Jesus is saying to this woman, I'm going to open up a spring of living water inside anyone who believes in me. And they're never going to thirst again. There's going to be an abundance of water. And we look at these passages here and we say, there's something the Lord wants to do with water in transforming the countryside, the landscape. All right, so let's go to John chapter 7, like we said we are going to do. John 7, 37. Context for this is we are at the Feast of the Tabernacles, also known as the Feast of Booths. And it's a time where Israel remembers their time following the Lord in the desert and his guidance for them, and everybody has to have this booth that they live in for the seven days that they're there together in Jerusalem. And... There too, it kind of brings everybody back down to their, their base level. It doesn't matter if you've got, you know, ten rooms in your house and you've got, you know, one room. We're all going to live in tents, you know, for the next week together. And remember, we're all Israelites and we are led by the Lord through the desert. And at the very end of this celebration is the seventh day. There's actually an eighth day as well. It's the eighth day. For, it's the day of lingering that happens afterwards. But the, the official end of the celebration takes place on the seventh day. And there's a, there's a celebration at that time called uh, Hoshana Rabbah, which is a request for great salvation. And during this celebration is a water libation, where they would go to the pool of Siloam, and they would draw with a golden pitcher water from the pool of Siloam, 
and they would go back up through the water gate into the temple and pour water over the altar. And they're referencing that passage in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, where they were drawing out water from salvation and it would be met with joy. And the joyous celebration that takes place in this gathering is enormous. This is the context for what Jesus says here in John chapter 7, verse 37. It says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out for everyone to hear him. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This caused controversy. But imagine what they're living in, the context of what they're living in, what's being celebrated right now. They know what the, what the passage is there in Isaiah that they're drawing from. And here's Jesus standing up, crying out in the midst of this, in the great celebration. If anybody is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Water's being poured out on the altar. It's flowing over the sides. And out of, if he believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Still that living water context. Before, though, it was, he was talking about a, a spring of living water bursting up inside us, right? But he says, there's a promise that I have for you that's greater than a spring coming up just to give you, just to satiate your thirst and bring you to eternal life. Out of you will flow rivers of living water. And I believe in some translations it talks about torrents of living water coming out of you. And depending on the translation you look at, they, uh, they translate this word here a few different ways, this concept a few different ways. In the NIV you find it saying, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. The ESV says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. NASB says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But the King James and some of the more literal translations hit this direct, and it is this, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Remember, we were talking about Mary, weren't we? Where did she carry Christ in her belly, in her inmost being? It gets better. This is awesome. Do you know the the word that is used here for belly in this context, inmost being? It can also be translated heart. It's koilia. Koilia is belly Abdomen, heart, a general term covering any organ in the abdomen, like stomach or womb. Its root word is koilos, which talks about hollow. So in NASB, it's most often translated in in the scriptures here to womb. So think about this here. Jesus is saying, if you believe in me, I'm going to initiate a wellspring of living water. I'm going to initiate life inside you. 
but it's not just going to stay there. Ultimately, it's intended that this is going to be rivers of living water that flow out of that place in you. There's something that's supposed to grow and mature. There's something that you're carrying that is supposed to be not just for you. Because every woman who's carried a baby knows it's not supposed to stay in you the entire time. The intention is that it grows to a place where it can actually move forward on its own. It can, it can breathe that breath of life. It can be nurtured. It can be nourished and brought to maturity and meet what it was intended to be fully. Jesus is saying here, you believe in me, I'm going to give you new life. And it's going to come out abundantly through you. And it's going to come out in a way that is meant to overflow and bring life to others. You have that river of living water that's to to come from you. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. Here's where Jesus starts. He talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit that's coming. He said, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus is recognizing here that the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit to come and dwell inside us. He's going to come and dwell inside us, and he is going to actually conform us to the image of God's Son. He's he's saying here, you're familiar with him because you've been with me, the ones that are around him, but there's a day where he's going to be in you. And remember when he... When he's resurrected and he meets them there in the upper room, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And you think about where it says that when our spirits are awakened, we cry out, Abba, Father. There's something that becomes alive in us, and it sits right about in here. When you look at what, when Jesus was ministering, and it talks about, how he had compassion on them. And he healed them. The word that's used there for compassion has a root in it that recognizes a sensation in the bowels. It's that gut level response when you see somebody who's hurting and you see somebody who's in a challenging place and you have compassion on them. It's more than just mental stuff. It hits you in your gut. Have you ever said that? I've got to go with my gut. Or that one hit me in the gut when I saw that, right? That is a recognition of compassion. And compassion for those that are being led by the Spirit. I think Bill Johnson said something about this years ago. I remember learning this. When you have compassion on somebody, it's like heaven's targeting system for the grace of God. That his favor wants to come and bring blessings upon them. And we are the ones who are able to identify, oh, it's right there. Oh, that, Lord, come heal. It's, 
we're, we're trying to line up the dots and let something fall on that person because God wants to come and move on their behalf. Being led by the Spirit, that place in the gut, because it's rivers of living waters that are going to flow from our bellies to those that are around us. It was never intended that Jesus would be put into Mary's womb and stay there. The intention was for him to be birthed from her, for him to be carried by her, to be birthed from her and to be brought to maturity and to bring life not only to her because we know she is one who believed, but to all those who came after So the question is this. What does this mean for us? Now we've addressed that when we come to him, he opens up that spring of life in us, that there's a river that's supposed to come from us. But just as what Mary carried in her belly was unique, so was John. They're both life. They both had the intention to come to fruition. But they are called to different things. Each of us is given the opportunity to grow, to, to have access to eternal life. But God has made each of us specific and unique as well. He's put something inside each one of us that he intends to bring forth to maturity, to grow into something that is extremely unique. You have a destiny that is generally in one direction, but uniquely an aspect of it. We're all called to eternal life. We're all called to be sons of God. We're all called to have a, a destiny in him, but I don't look like Rhonda looks. The grace that I carry doesn't look like what you carry. The grace that I carry is uniquely fashioned, and it's something for me to be pondering in my heart before the Lord. What is it that you have for me? What is it that you're having me carry? What is it that you want to bring to fruition? What is it that I'm to do? Where am I to step? Where am I to go? How do I take this promise and believe you and not doubt, but keep taking those steps forward to see what it is that you want to bring to fruition here? Because it's not, the gift isn't for me. The gift is for me to steward. The gift is for me to nurture. But the gift is for others that he's sending me to. The gift is for others that he's sending you to. Because when you look at what it's saying here in Isaiah, and we see in, all throughout church history, we see in the life of Jesus, we see in the life of his disciples, is that he planted a seed within each one of them, each one of us, that is intended to transform the landscape around us. We are called to be rivers of living water emanating from us that overtakes what's around us. Despite the oppression that we have, despite the persecution that takes place, despite everything that would stand in the way of it, God says, I'm bigger, I'm better, and it is an endless flow of living water that's coming out of you, and it is intended to change things around you. Not only bringing life to other people, but it ushers forth the kingdom of God where you're going. What is it that you're carrying? What is it that you're carrying? Who is it that you're carrying? I think there's a trap for us in our Christian lives to become very comfortable with where we're willing to go with the Lord. Very comfortable 
with a low degree of understanding of who we are in Christ. I really believe that God is calling each of us to have a much higher view of who we are in Christ. And I'm not talking about a prideful thing, but truly a humble thing. Like Mary, who would say, He chooses the humble and the lowly to reveal Himself through. I'm blessed, not because I'm great, but because He's great. And He's great in me, and He wants to change something in me. That we would be in that place. The world beats us up pretty bad sometimes. We beat ourselves up pretty bad sometimes. And we lose sight of who Christ is, the greatness of who he is, but also the greatness of who he is in us. What is it that he's spoken to you? That you might have some idea of, but you may not have the full understanding, and I promise you, you don't, of everything that he wants to unfold in that. And how well will you steward that? Because I promise you, the limit of what God has said to you and how he wants to bring that out to the fullest isn't limited by him. It's not limited by him and how much he wants to keep drawing on that word and keep drawing more and more truth out of it and bringing forth more and more blessings from it. The limitation is on us. It's on our end. If we believe him, he will continue to pour out more. If we don't believe him, we cut ourselves short of the inheritance that he's offered us and the impact that could be yielded in the lives of those that are around us. You are a gift. You are a unique gift. And you're carrying the Spirit of God, temple of the Holy Spirit. You're carrying the Spirit of God in your womb. Men who don't have a womb. Guys, don't be thrown off by this. I remember a time the Lord was looking to initiate something through me, and I literally felt like I was going through not the high degree of it, but some semblance of birth pangs. As I felt like he was trying to birth something in my spirit. I don't have the parts to do that. But he was doing something in me that that made me feel like I am processing something that's meant to be released here, and I could feel it physically in me. God is processing things in us. He's growing things. He wants to birth them in us. Will we ask that question, Lord? What is it that I'm carrying? We're going to listen. Actually, we're going to show it here. Online, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to uh, show the video or have the sound. Um, We're going to listen to this song by Maverick City. And most of you have heard, Mary, did you know before? But I'd, I'd encourage you to listen through to the end of the song at home. I just encourage you to pull it up on YouTube, on your cell phone, or on your TV, or whatnot. Um, Just take some time to watch this, because when we have the context of what we're talking about here, the question of, do I know what it is that I'm carrying? In the context of, did Mary know fully what it was she was carrying? Is something that I believe the Lord has a message for us today in this. Don't give up hope. Don't doubt what he said to you. There is glory inside you. This line right here. The king of kings is inside you. 
That was true for Mary. She physically had the king of kings growing physically in a body inside her. But you have the king of kings inside you. Remember what Paul said. There is a mystery that was concealed until this time. And this is it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He has something for each one of us. If you don't yet know Jesus, you need to know him. Because he has a plan for your life. He wants to bring you into eternal life, yes. But he has a plan for your life that is not only to bring forth eternal life for you, but eternal life for the people that he sends you to. For you to become an ambassador of his kingdom, uniquely fitted into his body, uniquely serving into all the places he's deployed you to, as only you can, because he wants to grow you to maturity so that you would flourish and those that are around you would come to a knowledge of him and likewise have eternal life spring up inside of them that would turn to rivers of living water flowing out to those that are around them. His promise is for you. If you're in a dark season right now, if you've abandoned things that the Lord has spoken to you specifically, hold on to those things. Hold on to those things. Wait on the Lord. Keep reminding Him of what He said to you. He hasn't forgotten, but you need to say it. You need to keep bringing those things before Him and saying, Lord, I'm not going to let this thing die inside me. I'm going to bring this thing forth, Lord, by Your strength. Lord, I'm yielded to You. I want to do what You've called me to be to do. I want to be who You've called me to be. Come, Lord Jesus. Be revealed in me. There's something for each of us to be able to do in identifying with Mary in this passage here. Each of us has been called in a unique way to bring forth the appearance of Christ. You've heard it before. You're Jesus with skin on. Right? You didn't know that? Yes, you're Jesus with skin on. When you carry the spirit of him, you are his hands and feet into the earth. When people see you, they should see Jesus. When they see Jesus in you, they should see the Father. You're the representative. That's why we want to be conformed to his image more and more. That's why we want to keep repenting before him and saying, Lord, just make me more like you. Take whatever is left of me that's getting in the way and get it out of the way because I want to represent you more purely. I want to represent you more accurately. I want to bring you in as I go into every place that I go. That when people see me, they wouldn't see me, they would see you, Jesus. You're Jesus with skin on. Would you rise? Lord, I thank you for us, your people. I thank you, Lord, for what you want to birth in us. Lord, I pray for hearts right now who are saying, how could this be through me? I don't know that I can believe that. I know I I once believed that, but I'm just not sure anymore. Lord, I just pray right now that you, Holy Spirit, 
would bubble up in that well that's inside them. That you'd start bringing that living water again in their lives in a fresh outpouring. Lord, I ask that that spring would just continue to gush forth in their lives, Lord. That it would bring healing in their hearts, Lord Jesus. Lord, that it would bring light and life into their, in, their inner being right now, Lord Jesus. Lord, whatever challenges and frustrations and hurts and doubts have been clogging up, Lord Jesus, that they would just be ushered out right now by the river of living water that flows through them, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray for those who have not yet come to you, Lord Jesus, that they would hear you today, Lord, and say, yes, Lord, I want that living water inside me. I want, Lord... For you to take my life and transform it. I want, Lord, to step out of darkness and into light. Lord, to bring your water, your living water, to those who are around me. Transform me, Jesus. Make me like you. Come be the king of my life. Lord, I pray for those who have been stewarding a word, Lord, that they have not yet seen come forth, but it's been inside them and it's been turning and it's been kicking inside them, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray right now for the waiting on you, Lord Jesus for the timing and the season for that to come forth from them, Lord Jesus. Lord, that it would burst forth into new life, Lord, that they would see it in the light of day, and that it would bring your kingdom into new dimensions, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would give them just a fresh faith, Lord Jesus, that what you have spoken is bigger than what they have understood in the past. But instead, Lord, it is bigger, and you want to do greater things than what they've they've believed on before. Lord, I ask that you would give them new hope, new belief, new faith, Lord Jesus, For more, Lord, and to be in that place of pondering and wondering, Lord, just how big is this word and how far can I go with it in you? I pray over them right now, Lord Jesus, that your people right now, Lord, would draw near to your heart. Lord, that you would conform us into your image and your likeness in fresh and new ways. Lord, in this season, as we have the visual effects, as we have the, uh, the traditions and the reminders around us in this season, Lord, of your birth. Lord, I ask that you would birth forth new things inside us. In Jesus' mighty name, I bless your people in this season, Lord, with grace and peace and joy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Bless you guys. Enjoy one another. Hallelujah. Greet each other as you go and have a wonderful, wonderful week. God bless you.